Welcome to an inspirational teaching by our guest speaker of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. So good to see you all here. Yes, you're ready for the Lord to speak to us and minister. A little bit about RSL. In the year 2000, Victor was doing a teaching in the church from the book of James. And we were challenged from James chapter 2 verse 17. This is what James chapter 2 verse 17 says. So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. And we as a church, we're believing God. We were trusting God for the lives of people to see miracles. We were trusting God in terms of provision for people. A lot of things. We had a lot of faith. And we believed God for the impossible. In fact, it was a time when we needed to purchase this property. So we were really believing God for that. And we had faith for that. But in the midst of it, we are challenged by this verse saying, if you have faith by itself is not enough. You need faith and works along with it. And so we began to do something for the poor as a church. And we began in small ways. Our first caption was, your change can change life. This was the first the thing that we made. Those of you who are with us in the early days will remember this banner which was put up in the side. Your change can change lives. And all of us were given these little dumb boxes which we collected, so many familiar faces. You remember it. We have pictures of how we were given those little dumb boxes. We would collect it and go. And quarterly, we would bring that dumb box. All you had to do was just collect the change, the leftover change that you had, put it in that dumb box. Once in four months, we'll bring it together. We would have a literally like a celebration, break it and count the money. And so that's how we began something, you know, involving the poor. We said, let's do something for the poor. We began this. And the first month, we helped Kumari in building her home because it was leaking. Rainwater was coming not only through her roof, but also through the flooring. And so we helped her in rebuilding that place. The next month, we helped with some medical expenses. And then we had people coming to us, asking us for fees. And suddenly, we found people were just knocking on our door. And we said, this cannot happen. It cannot be random. You cannot just do things. It needs to be structured. And so that's where we decided we are going to take the path of education that can change the lives and break the cycle of poverty. And so in 2003, we began Radiant High School. At that time, it was known as Radiant High School. It was to touch lives at a very crucial stage, just before their teens, so that we could shape them and they would be an impact on society. And so in 2003, Radiant School began. And if you know my husband, if you know Victor, now we are not academic or geared up for this. We have not studied or been trained to do something like this. We are called for one thing, for preaching the gospel and for healing the sick, casting out demons. That's our calling. But if you know Victor well, he's a visionary. Now, God speaks to him and tells him to start a school. Victor gets all excited and he comes and says, we are going to start a school. Great idea. But starting a school is not just saying starting a school. There's a lot more involved in starting a school. We have to have teachers. We need to get a principal. Then the students. Students, no problem. We have a community at the back. And we were already reaching out to them. We had tuitions going on. So they were coming in. We knew students will come. But where do we go for the teachers? Where are we going to run the school? Where is it going to happen? And so we said, we are ready. We are with you to start a school. But how are we going to go about it? And that's when Victor began to pray and seek the Lord. And the Lord gave him this verse. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. So that's where we began looking to the Lord. Lord, you provide us with a principle. You provide us with teachers the staff, you provide us with everything that we need. And it's a lot more. At that time, if we knew that we would incur a cost of 35 lakhs, believe me, we would have never ventured out into it. We were just looking at the change. Your change can change lives. But because of that one step of faith, of 
giving change, today the Lord has brought us thus far. He has entrusted into us in bigness, in generosity. He has entrusted to us this significant work amongst the poor. And next to God, we actually need to thank the people of Adonai. Because you have run with us with this vision. It would have been impossible for us to do this if it wasn't for Adonai people. You caught the vision, you gave yourself to it, and you moved along with us. And so today as I speak about what is happening in Radiant School, you are very much a part of it. You have blessed lives. You have impacted them. The children who come into Radiant School are very poor. The first day they come in, torn clothes, dirty, and hardly any footwear, and they all come, where are you going? Radium School. Radium School. Where do you live? Kakistan. And, you know, and the way they are, their dress, their speech, and the environment that they come from, very abusive environment. There's no love over there. All they've heard is just abuse. There's been so much of uh, anger, hatred, no hygiene. They don't even have two square meals. Many of the kids don't even have two square meals a day. And so from this environment, they come into this place where they're nurtured in love. For the first time, they have people who love them, who respect them, who look to them, who are there for them, who are there to pray for them, who are there to care for them. Our teachers, they take time to even train them, toilet train them. At 15 years, we are doing toilet training. You won't believe it, but that's it. If not, the place will be a mess. And we'll have a tough time. Nobody will even want to step at the back. But our teachers take the time of going and training them in using the toilet, what it is, how to live lives. And as a result, we've seen our children grow. We've seen them nurture themselves and become such wonderful people, gentlemen, literally. You know, as you looked at them, you could see the work of God in their lives. And so we are raising them up to have an impact on society. We believe, Victor and I believe, that God gave us a hope and a future. And we want to give that hope and a future to others. And so that's why with that vision, that Radiant School will be a gateway to change and will transform many lives, we began with humble beginnings. Today, you see such a significant work over there. And the only thing that stops us is space. Otherwise, we could have grown and multiplied a lot more. It's because of the lack of space. That's what has prevented us. And so this year, we've introduced two sessions. We have a morning batch right up to 12.30, 8.30 to 12.30. And the second batch, which starts at 1.30, which goes on to 5.30. Uh, we also have a staff over here. In this academic year, we have 130 students. But as they come in, there are a few who drop out. And uh, so we are now 125, a staff of 12. And amongst the staff, there is a young girl who was part of our Radiant School. She was one of our students. And she now comes and teaches foundational English. This is for those who are really struggling and who don't get it. So she's got about five to seven. And so she speaks to them in their local language and helps them to understand and get it. So like tutoring. And I look at her and I always smile. Because this girl, I used to call her Tamil Rani. You know, all the time, Tamil, Tamil. I have to tell her. The moment she sees me, that's when English words come out of her mouth. But otherwise, it's just Tamil. And now this girl is training others. So every time I see her in class, I am just amused and I just smile. I say, wow, what this. And thank God, I would love all our teachers to be those who have passed out of Radiant School, come back and teach here. What a joy that will be. So we pay our staff. Not that we pray great amounts, but thank God for the enthusiasm of the staff. They're so happy to be a part and be involved. And they know that even as they serve the poor, God's going to bless them. But that's not enough. We need to also pay them. And so we pay them. We provide education, uniform, books, and this afternoon meal for all our students. And we have been supported by sponsors from within Adonai and also a few friends whom we personally know or those who come and attend our nine-day school. Not that we go out to raise funds. No place that we've gone have I gone with the intention of raising funds. We don't go there to proclaim this is what we have, take the poor photos of the poor and show them. No, it's never our heart to go and raise funds. 
we believe as a church we are called to be socially responsible for the poor it is our ministry it is not the ministry of someone from abroad to send the money it is our ministry local church we are called to provide for the poor you will see that even as we go further in the word why is it our responsibility to provide for the poor and as people have got to know they have come alongside and they said we want to contribute we want to bless the church and we really thank god because this last year we've got such huge amounts as donations which we've never had before and we really thank god we never ran after them we never asked out of the blue they just sent money which has really blessed radiant school so we thank god for that and so this morning i'd like us to look at this passage from luke chapter 16 verses 19 to 31 luke 16 19 to 31 it's on the screen there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen who feasted sumptuously every day you're familiar with that and at his gate was laid a poor man named lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table moreover even the dogs came and licked his sores the poor man died and was carried by the angels to abraham's side the rich man also died and was buried and in hades being in torment he lifted up his eyes and saw abraham far off and lazarus at his side and he called out father abraham have mercy on me and send lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue for i am in anguish in this flame but abraham said child remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and lazarus in like manner bad things but now he is comforted here and you are in anguish and besides all this between us and you a great chasm has been fixed from there to us and he said in order that those who could pass from here to you may not be able and none may come across from there to us then i beg you father to send him to my father's house for i have five brothers so that he may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment but abraham said they have moses and the prophets let them hear them and he said no father abraham if someone goes to them from the dead they will repent and he said to them if they do not hear moses and the prophets neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead let's just bow our heads and pray and pray that god will speak to us father we look to you this morning lord we really trusting in the ministry of your holy spirit to speak to us lord your word says he that has ears let him hear what the spirit is saying lord i pray open our ears lord to hear what your spirit is speaking into our hearts today to capture the way of the kingdom lord lord we really want to be like jesus and this is our prayer lord god that the beauty of jesus will shine in us all his wondrous compassion and purity oh thou spirit divine all our nature refine till the beauty of jesus be seen in us amen even as we looked at this passage i could never understand the story before but over the last few weeks i felt the lord capturing my attention to this story and so that is why i picked this as the topic for our morning it says what we see from this story is a rich man who had good clothes to wear there was no lack when it came to his clothes he was dressed in purple and in fine linen that means he really had good clothes like some of us have overflowing cupboards he also had good enough clothes now there's no problem about having overflowing cupboards okay it's not about that he also had sumptuous meal and when i looked up the dictionary the word sumptuous over there is talking about great expensive or lavish meal in other words there was no lack in this man's life when it came to clothes he had enough he definitely had a home and i'm sure he had owned more than a home when it came to food he could actually decide what meal he would have it could be chinese cuisine on a monday tuesday could be italian 
Wednesday could be Arabic. It could be any food. That's how we live today. We are not happy with just the dal and rice. Most of us get angry if it's just the dal and rice. That's something hard you need to bite. You know that? That's something that, you know, we need to chew on. And we get very angry. Young people get very angry. Same food every day. Same thing. We like different cuisines. Absolutely no problem. Different cuisines. Go ahead. God is not speaking about us having different cuisine or coming against it. He even has no problems about being well-dressed. The problem here with this man was he lived life to himself. He was only caught up with his own job, with what he was doing, with what he was involved in. His family, his own circumstances mattered much to him. He was caught up with himself, lived in a selfish world. To the extent that he was insensitive to see the poor man Lazarus at his gate. That was the problem. His problem was not the wealth he had. The problem with the rich man was his insensitivity towards Lazarus who was sitting at the gate. Doesn't that speak of us today? We are so wrapped up with our own ambitions. We are running with our dreams. We live in a fast-paced world today. 24 bar 7 we can be occupied. And some of you know that even in your sleep, unconsciously your hand goes to something near your bedside which you reach out to and your fingers quickly go on it. You know what I'm talking about. Young people know what I'm talking about. We are constantly occupied. What are we occupied? With ourselves. Our self has become so big in our lives. My needs, what I do, what I live for, my dreams, my ambitions, my friends, my parties, my dreams has taken priority that we are insensitive to the needs of people around us. Insensitive. But when we are in a place of anguish like this man, Lazarus died. He never had much he lacked. Even dogs would come and lick his sores on his body. But when he died, he was taken up to heaven. But the rich man also died. He didn't go up to heaven. He was taken to Hades, a place of torment. And in those flames, burning flames, and in that anguish and torment, this rich man began to look up. Often it's in the time of trouble. It's in those times when we are thrown to the wall, that's when our faces look up. And when he looked up, what did he see? For the first time, he saw Abraham and Lazarus. Lazarus. He could have seen Lazarus before. This man was there every day at his gate. But he never saw Lazarus. Now, in the time of his need, he sees Lazarus. Lazarus. And what does he do? He begs Abraham, Abraham, send Lazarus down. Let Lazarus help me. When he could help Lazarus, he was not there. Now he's calling for Lazarus' help. The man who had sores on his body, probably stinking, he was calling out for his help. What was he asking? Let him dip his finger in water and put a drop on my lips. All I need is a drop. He didn't mind Lazarus' finger being dipped into water. That's how we are. In our anguishes when we look up. And he was hoping that Abraham will send Lazarus to help him out. Abraham says, no, it cannot be done. No one from down can come up, neither from someone from up can come down. Not possible. Now he cries out, oh, my family do not know this. I don't want my brothers to come here. Please, please, at least now send Lazarus to tell them. And Abraham says, God has already spoken his word through Moses and the prophets. Let them hear what God is speaking. And I pray today we will have ears to hear what God is saying. We keep hearing. It's not about hearing, but it's about doing. What am I trying to come to today? This morning I want to share with you not about giving, but I want to share with you the generosity of our God. 
in the economy of God, when he first set up economy in Leviticus, he called the children of Israel and he said this to them. When you go to the land that I'm giving you, he says, when you reap the harvest of your land, Leviticus 19 verses 9 and 10, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner or stranger. I am the Lord your God. Here is God setting up a nation and he's telling them what to do. He says, I'm going to give you land. Now in that land, as you harvest the crop, don't take everything for yourself. Don't take it all just for you. But leave a portion of it. Leave a corner of it for the poor and the stranger. Let them come in and feed of it. God was providing for people who did not have. And what was he telling those who had? He says, I am the Lord your God. I have provided you. Today we don't have fields, but we have jobs. We have incomes. We have pocket money. We have various sources where our needs are met. And God says, don't use up all your sources just for yourself. But leave a portion, leave a bit of it for the poor. And he says to us, I am the Lord your God. I will take care of you. Now, even the poor could not come in just any time. But there were specific times allotted when they could come to the fields and collect what they wanted. It was the morning, the afternoon, or the evening time before the evening sacrifices. In the morning, it would be mothers when their children were sleeping, they would come to the field, take what they needed for the day and go. In the afternoon, it was those who were nursing people, taking care, like Ruth. They'd come in the afternoon, gather the gleanings, gather some food and go. In the evening, it was the elderly people. They could come and they could take. And so God is saying, leave some on the edges. When you glean your crop, or other words, when you're plucking, when you're taking things from your field, over the sickle when you're cutting and taking. He says, if more than two handful falls, you can pick it up. But less than that, leave it there. Don't pick it up. Don't look for every drop. Don't try and take it all. Leave it for the poor. When you're collecting, harvesting grapes, leave some. If a grape falls down, don't go and pick it up. Leave it for the poor. Leave some. Don't go back over your field again to see if you've harvested everything. Leave it there for the poor. That is the heart of God. Our God's heart is generous. He wants to bless us. Even as we give others, he wants to bless us. And he wants to bless those who don't have through us. He says, Deuteronomy 15 verse 11. For they will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hands to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. Open wide your hands. God wants his people to be generous. Open wide. God is saying, as long as, don't pray for the eradication of poverty. He says, as long as the earth is there, they will always be the poor. And why are the poor there? So that God can be generous to us. As we are generous to the poor, they will be fed and taken care of. We too will receive from his generosity. I looked up this word generosity. And this is what the dictionary meaning is. Generosity is happy to give or share your time, your money, your food or whatever with others. Are we happy to give? Are we generous? That's how the Lord is with us. He is happy to bless. He wants to bless you. Don't keep saying, bless me, bless me, bless me, Lord. He wants to bless you. That's his heart, a generous heart. He is generous to us. And so he wants us also to be like him, generous, open-handed, opening wide our hands. He does not accuse us of doing well in life. In fact, he wants us to be well-dressed. He wants us to eat well, enjoy your sumptuous meal. But share what you have with those who do not have. He is appalled 
by our insensitivity to needs around us. That's what he is appalled. By the insensitivity in our hearts towards needs around us. You know, a few months back, Charles spoke about the generosity of God. What a generous God. I was very blessed by that message. What a God we have. He is generous in forgiving. He is generous in loving. He is generous in his mercy. I was really caught up with the generosity of God. And as I went from here to Our Lady's cell, that afternoon we were looking at Abraham. And over there in Abraham, God speaks to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I'm giving you a son. Abraham was wondering, God, will I have a son? But nevertheless, as the Lord promised, he provided him a son. And now the Lord says, Abraham, I want you to give back that son to me. Now you can imagine how Abraham would have felt. Give back the son. And Abraham and Isaac went on a three-day journey to Mount Moriah, where he was going to sacrifice his son. Three-day journey. What would have gone through the thoughts of Abraham? As he walked three days, it was not a three minute. Three minute, okay, Lord, finished, done with. Three days, which means three days of torment, three days of emotional, God, is this really you? God, have I really heard you? Now, Abraham was a very wise man. He never told Sarah this. If he had told Sarah, she would have definitely changed that plan. No, 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 Abraham, you've heard wrong. How will God give you and take away? That is not God. It's the devil who takes away. So it can't be God. If God said you're going to have descendants without Isaac, no descendants will come. And Sarah would have just wiped it out. Abraham was a wise man. He kept quiet. He did not say anything. He and Isaac progressed to this place. And Isaac turned around and said, Dad, where is the sacrifice we're going to offer? Abraham said, the Lord will provide. He believed God completely. And he went there. He did not hesitate to tie his son up to the altar to sacrifice him. And as he raised his knife to slay Isaac, the Lord spoke and said, stop. And at that moment, Abraham saw a lamb over there. Till that time, he didn't see the lamb. But the moment when God stopped him, he saw a lamb. And he then sacrificed that lamb to God. Now I looked at it and said, what a man Abraham is. Thank God. God answered his prayer. Twelfth hour, he came to his rescue. Thank God. But then I look at our God. And I see what a generous God he is. When he decided to give his son Jesus... He sent him down to this earth to identify with us, to reveal himself to us, to reconcile us back to him. And when it came to Jesus' death on the cross, like Abraham, there was no last minute lamb. There was only one lamb. Jesus was the only lamb of God. When it came to his son, he did not stop, but he gave up his son. He was willing to nail him to the cross. He was willing to punish him for the sins of people. He was willing to pour wrath upon him. He was willing to let him shed, take the pain and our humiliation and our rejection. God did not stop his son, his one and only son whom he loved. He didn't stop him from dying. That's the heart of God. That's the ultimate generosity of our God. And he says in his word, if he did not hold back his son from us, how much more will he not give all things for us? How much more will he not give all things? Do you think this generous God is going to hold back a little bit from you? No, no, he wants to give us. And so this morning, my urge or my prayer for us as a people is that we will be like our God, generous people. We will be generous. We will be open-handed people. That means we will not hold the rupees so tight that Gandhi will begin to cry. Some of us can be like that. Hold the rupees so tight. We don't want to part with it. Or we search for those paisas in our pocket when the offering bag comes. Or anyone we have to give. Sometimes we bargain. Even with the person selling greens, we are bargaining. 15 rupees, we are trying to get it for 10 rupees. 
that poor man doesn't have. What is there even if you give him 20 rupees? No, we have to bargain. There's a pleasure in bargaining. But that's not generosity. I've learned this from my husband. Actually, I thought I was a giver. All along, I thought in our relationship, I am the giver. Because I come from a family of givers. They love giving. We love giving. We, we will not have. We like to give others. That's how we are. But my husband taught me something else. He taught me to be open-handed in giving. Generous. Because I will give looking for the need. What is the need? Does the person really deserve? Do they deserve? Then we will give. That's how I looked at giving. But he said, whoever it is, whether they deserve or not, let's give. We have made a decision to live our lives from the cross. Not live our lives from our past circumstances, how we were brought up, what people tell us, what people think of us, how they look at us. But we live our lives from the cross. Which means, if our God is merciful, we be merciful. If our God is forgiving, we become forgiving people. If our God is generous, we become generous people. I find that when we have little, it's easy to give. If it is a hundred rupees, ten rupees is very easy to give. Very easy. If it is a thousand rupees, hundred rupees also is easy to give. No problem. One lakh, ten thousand is easy to give. But when it comes to one crore, one crore, ten lakhs. Oh my God, ten lakhs. How can I give ten lakhs? That's how I felt. Little amount, easy to give. When God blessed me with much, I struggled. Why? Because the amount seemed much. And we're always calculating 10 lakhs. If I have to put 10 lakhs, the pastor will think I'm very rich. So I better divide my money. This ministry gets 2 lakhs, this ministry gets 2 lakhs, that ministry. We want to divide. We want to work out God's economy. Rather than working out his heart. We want to divide. God wants us to be generous. Whoever it is, whoever comes, whether they deserve it or not, be generous. You don't look, you know, if only God had to look at us, do they deserve it? Do you think any of us deserve the blessing of God? What if God looked at us in terms of whether we deserve? Thank God he's a generous God. It's not based on whether we deserve or not. It's his heart. Whoever it is, rich or poor, let me be generous. That's what God is. Let's be generous. And God wants us to be like him. You remember that lady? Jesus was with his disciples and there was that lady who had little, but she gave it all. God was blessed with her giving. And this morning, you know, when I was preparing this message, it was going around in my heart as I slept. I got up in the morning and the message was still going. And the Spirit of the Lord very clearly spoke to me. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord say this. The way to break the cycle of poverty in our lives is through generosity. You want to break the cycle of poverty in your life? Then be generous. Be generous. And I felt this. That the reason some of us remain poor is because we think we are too poor to give. And there is an expectation in our heart that others will bless us. And we constantly have people who we think should bless us. There is an unsaid expectation. So and so must bless me. So and so must bless me. So rather than looking to God to bless you, to provide your need, you're looking at man to meet your need. And God says, as long as we look at man, we will not receive anything. It says, cursed is a man who puts his trust in man. But blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord. And God's speaking to us. If we want to break the cycle of poverty, then generosity should be the way we live. Giving away to people. And this is our prayer. God, in our DNA, let it be generosity running. The generosity of Christ running through us. The Bible says, He that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker. It's from Proverbs 14.31. I looked up the meaning of this word oppress. It says prolonged cruelty or unjust treatment 
or exercising of authority by withholding from wages, not giving him that relief which he ought, being rude, looking down or humiliating such a one not only injures the poor man but is a reproach to God. People who have positions of authority and if we have those working for us, our maids, our drivers, our security, various people under us, left privileged from us. And if we are rude to them, if we speak harsh words, if we humiliate them and treat them as if they are, you know, someone of less value, it says you bring reproach to your maker or disappointment or disapproval of your maker. Why? Because we look at them as if they are not made in the image of God. Every man has been made in the image of God. And when we look down upon people and we think, you, you're only my servant, you're actually reproaching your God. You're in disapproval of your God who created that person. He that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker. But he that honoreth him, that is God, hath mercy on the poor. If we honor God, we reverence God, then we will have mercy on the poor. That means give what they don't deserve. You and I have received mercy. We got what we don't deserve. In the same way, give what they don't deserve. A story comes back to me. We have this uh, man who comes and washes our car, our maid's husband. Now, this fellow is so irregular. You know, only when we remind them, he'll come and wash the car. And I used to get so irritated because he's so irregular and coming. And I told Victor, you know, don't pay him. Don't. He says, how would you like if someone doesn't pay you your salary? And uh, Victor insisted on giving him. And finally, he left the job. He went away. And then after some time, his wife comes with a need. They, had, they needed a big amount for their child's education. And so Victor employs him again. And he says, I'll give you the money. You do my car. Now, he's still the same. He's not changed. But you know what Victor thought? He says, I just wanted him to feel that, okay, he's doing something. He's earning some money. Rather than as if we just gave him something, you know. Let him feel like he's earning. And that's the heart we need to have. Not about whether they deserve or not. A heart of willingness, of generosity. Something that I even learned from Curlin. You know, every time they keep bargaining, the Greens fellow who comes, people keep bargaining. And Curlin, she bought it. I said, Curlin, how much you paid? She said, 20 rupees. I said, Curlin, too much. The Greens is only 10 rupees a bunch. She says, okay, Annie. My dad always taught me, whenever it's poor, give them another 10 extra. It doesn't matter. I said, wow, Curlin, that's it. That's the way of life. And I feel God calls us to be like, let's not go bargaining unnecessarily. Let's not go. You know, especially when it comes to the poor. Let's be generous enough to give. So right through the scripture, the heart of God is revealed. Even in the early church, the disciples were with Jesus. And they saw how Jesus moved around with the poor people. He touched them. The lepers, the untouchables, he reached out. He touched them. He heard the cry of the lame. He heard the cry of the blind Bartimaeus who was sitting there. He heard their cry. He reached out to him. Jesus reached out to the poor. And his heart was for the poor. And so when the early church began, Mercy Ministries was so much a part of the early church. Thousands were getting saved. But along with it, they were all involved in meeting the needs of one another, giving to the needs, so that there will be none poor amongst them. That's what the Bible says. They were all involved in giving so that there will be none poor amongst them. They were involved in mercy ministries. But as the work grew, the problems also in the mercy ministries grew. They used to feed the widows. And suddenly there was grumbling. In any work, there will always be grumbling. So what did the apostles do? They didn't say, now, just stop all this work. These women are fatted women. Let's close it all. They didn't do that. But they appointed seven men full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Ghost? For what task? To serve food. Can you understand? To serve food, they appointed men filled with the Holy Ghost. So amongst them was Philip. He was an evangelist. Philip used to share the gospel. He was there involved in mercy ministries. There was Stephen. He did mighty signs and wonders. He spoke before kings. 
and he was stoned to death. He was involved in mercy ministries. So the heart of the church is to be socially responsible towards people who are poor. And as a church, God has given us a wonderful opportunity living right here with a community at the back. That's where we began, reaching this community at the back. But today God has provided not just this community, children coming from all over. God has provided, sending people across our path. Mercy ministries are to be part of the church. There are so many times we have said to Victor, let's make Radiant School self-sufficient. And Victor says, no, no. And I've always wondered, why? Why can't we make it? Today, we have the faith to trust God for Radiant School. I said, tomorrow, who's going to be there in that place of faith, trusting God for Radiant School? He says, Adonai, as long as it exists, will always carry the heart for the poor. We will never separate the two. Social work and the church will go together. And the people of Adonai will always carry a heart for the poor. That is our heart. And that is the heart of God. He never asked organizations to supply. He wanted the church, his very own body, to take care of the needs of the poor. When Paul was sent out to the Gentiles, what did the fathers of the church say? They told Paul this. Go to the Gentiles, but do not forget the poor. In Galatians 2.10, Paul says, They asked me to remember for the very thing I was eager to do. Paul himself was eager to do this, to be involved with the poor. Proverbs 22, verse 9. Happy is the generous man. You want to be happy? Be generous. Every morning my husband comes and says, I'm a happy man. Are you happy? And if I'm grumbling, he'll come and say, he'll sing joy, 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 something like that. He's a happy man. He's happy. And he has a reason to be happy. Because God has done so much in his life. He's so happy about it. He says, happy is a generous man. The one who feeds the poor. One of the things that we encouraged people in the early days to do was bake a cake for Jesus. You remember that? Okay, some of you are smiling, nodding, bake a cake for Jesus. And where Victor spoke and he said, uh, you know, if Jesus said, bake me a cake, what would you do? You would make the best cake. Jesus has asked you, you would take all the time and you will make that best cake for Jesus. And Jesus is saying now, when we do to others, we are doing it unto him. He said, do it as unto the Lord. We have children here on your birthdays. Instead of giving those who already have, inviting friends who already are stomach full and they don't want to eat, give towards those who don't have. And so many of our people have been celebrating their birthdays with Radiant School. They come here, they provide for that meal, or they pay us that money for that meal, or they come, they get involved. I remember still one family for the first birthday of their daughter. The whole family, husband and wife with a child, and their grandparents, their relatives, uncles, aunts, all of them came here for the first birthday, celebrating the first birthday with Radiant School children. It was such a joy as the children sang happy birthday. The children were happy because they were getting good food. The family was happy because they were blessing the poor. What an impression they left on that little child's mind. Rather than teaching the child to give, they demonstrated giving. What an example it was. Just last week, one of the parents celebrated their daughter's birthday and they gave ice cream to Radiant School. I heard the children were so happy. You know, those duet ice creams, they were thrilled with it. Ice cream, celebrating it with the poor. What a joy. They will not be able to give you presents. They will not repay you, invite you back to their homes. But your heart will be full of joy. Why? Because you have fed the hungry. You have touched the heart of God. Happy is a man who gives to the poor. God's heart is always generosity. Today we are responsible to see the needs around us. It's a challenge to break selfishness. We live in a selfish world. 
And we're always trying to prove our worth by what we do or what we have. In the end, everything that you bought for yourself, you're going to leave behind and go. Everything you're going to leave behind. But there's a way we can store up treasures in heaven. I'd like to read a verse from 1 Timothy. It says, Tell those who are rich not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which will soon be gone. But their pride and trust should be in the living God who always richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Can you see that? God gives us good things for our enjoyment, not for us to hold back. He wants us to enjoy ourselves. He gives us good things to enjoy. He says, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need. Always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, they will be storing up real treasures for themselves in heaven. You can't take anything, not a single paisa can you take from here and go. Sometimes we are saving up and saving up and saving up. Why? For our children and our children's children. By the time they come to your age, they don't want that because they have more hep things, more contemporary things. They don't want your old furniture. They don't want your old house. They have better houses they'd like to build. So don't waste your time and lose out on life and just trying to store up for your children. You were able to manage. You were able to provide that. They will be able to manage also. By doing this, you will store up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. And we will be living fruitful Christian life down here as well. Can we as a church focus on the fact that we are called ministers of reconciliation? We are called ambassadors of our king. May we be like him, a generous people. Proverbs 19.17 is the verse with which we started off Radiant School. It says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. Can you believe it? You're actually lending to the Lord. Have you thought about it? You're giving God. You're lending to the Lord. If you're generous to the poor, you lend to the Lord. And he will repay him for his deed. That's the verse in which we began the school. Generosity pays even when you're not looking for it. You know, today we have too many TV evangelists coming up with the scheme. Give 10%, God will give you sevenfold blessings, tenfold blessing, hundredfold blessing. And so many Christians get swayed by that because this is fast money. And whoever's thinking of getting fast money, the Bible says, has an evil eye. And so when you try to get this fast money, put sevenfold blessing, hundredfold blessing, you invest over there, thinking that God's running a stock market. Put in these shares and that much amount will come. There was a lady who said this. She heard one ministry is talking about it. Give this much and you will get. So she said, okay, let me try and see how it will come. And so she gave. The next week she fell down and broke her hand. She says, thousand rupees I lost. No point in giving. They're looking at it. If I give this much, will God give me back? No, we progress from that. We progress from how much God is giving us back. We progress to generosity, being kind and generous in our giving. Like I told you, God wants to break the spirit of poverty. That's what God spoke. And then I opened my iPad to prepare and somebody had sent me a message and it was just there. And the reason I looked at it, because it said something. It said, if we value our resources and learn not to waste but to share, no one will sleep hungry. And there was a video, so I played that video, but I thought I'll share it. In this video, a man walks into a restaurant. He sees a man eating a plate full of biryani, and he goes and sits next to him. The waiter comes and says, what will you have? He says, hot water. So the, he brings hot water, he takes out his medicine, he pops a pill in and he drinks the hot water. The man next to him finishes eating and goes and washes his hand. Meanwhile, another person comes and he's ordering, you know how these waiters, what all, they, they share their own menu in two minutes, the whole menu is read out. Okay. And so this man orders, 
and here's this man who washes hand and goes away half his food is left behind in the plate this man who came and took hot water looked at that plate he looked around he saw no one looking at him and he slowly pulls that plate next to him and he begins to eat from the leftover meal he begins to eat from that and this man sees it and he's shocked he looks at like and he looks at the owner of the restaurant and the owner also says he's also shocked he looks at him he finishes that meal leftover meal he goes he washes his hand and then he comes to pay comes to that place where the owner is next to him there's a box you know in many places you have this box where you give to the poor he opens his wallet and he takes out some money and drops it there he didn't have enough to pay for his own meal but he decided what he has the little that he has he will give away and he gave away the widow that elijah met had only enough for that one meal and she said with this one meal me and my son will die after this we don't have enough but elijah demands that meal for himself and she gives it as a result the oil and the flour never ran out of her house god provided her needs sometimes we hold on and we keep it back thinking what if we don't have but god says release be open handed let go and see god provide our application this morning is who is sitting at your gate what are the needs around you that you are so insensitive to god has given us a work here amongst the poor as a church let's get together monday to friday children are coming in monday to friday people who don't have are coming in let's be generous come alongside be generous the reason we are generous it's not about getting back the reason we are generous our god is a generous god so i want to be like him may that be our prayer god bless thank you for listening to this message to know more about us please visit www.adonai-ministries.com